All right, well, good morning, everybody. Again, did you all have a good New Year's Eve? Bringing in a new year again. I, I love the New Year thought process. Um, again, you've heard me say it multiple times. God isn't a God of second chances. He's a God of new beginnings. If we believe we were created on purpose and for a purpose, we need to figure that out. And to figure that out, we need to get back to the basics, which is prayer, which is seeking his face, which is touching his, which is touching the hem of his garment, which is hearing from him. And so when we say well, everyone was created on purpose for it and for a purpose, we mean it. But I can't decide what that purpose is for you. I can help you find it. But you're going to find it in relationship to God. And your relationship with God is based on prayer and based on spending time with him. I'm going to give a message this morning on prayer. When you get desperate to see God move, things will happen. So this prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year for us, and I got this from Denny Curran. Um, he goes, every year I go into the fact I want to get a word for the year from God. Say, I want you guys to pray and get a word from God for you guys, for yourself, for the year, and for our church. See, I've been praying about that for the last few weeks. I want you to get a verse that you can go back and rely on all year. And as you're spending time with God, he will give you the verse now that's going to work in November. He will let you know what it is. And so get a verse for your year, and then get a song. Get a song for your year that when you're walking through some stuff or when things are going great, doesn't matter what life's throwing at you, you can lean on that song and say, okay, I met God here, I experienced God here, God touched me here, I'm going back here. Because sometimes we all got to just go back to the beginning. And that's what the new year does, is it resets everything for us. There's also some little handouts here for prayer focus for the first week. I'm going to give you prayer focuses for all week. This one actually goes along with the Assemblies of God. Their national office came out with um, a week of focused prayer. And so today is really about praying for consistency, getting intentional about setting a prayer time every day, getting consistent with what you're doing. Because if we just do it when it fits into our schedule, how many knows it don't fit into our schedule? Our schedule overtakes us. We don't overtake our schedule. So we have to become intentional. It's why, again, if you come to my house in the morning, it's a cup of coffee, it's me and my iPad and my Bible we're reading. First thing. Why? Because if I don't, life takes over. And I don't want life to take over. When he said, seek my kingdom first, I took it literal. First thing in the morning, I'm going to seek him. And so I do that every day. I do it before I go to bed at night. Um, I've been blessed with the ability to be your pastor, so I get to spend time here and praying. So you can walk in midweek, and there's going to be music blaring in here as I'm just worshiping. They probably hear me on the street. I don't really care. And I've had people come up to me and say, dude, you've been praying, haven't you? I just feel something different. See, when the church gets to that, people can't deny it. And we start touching heaven. I'm going to share at the end of this 21 days, I'm going to do a, a vision casting Sunday morning on what I feel God's calling us to do in the upcoming year and the upcoming next few years. Because when we have a vision, we get excited about where we're going. If you're just floating through life, you ever notice you get really frustrated? You don't feel like you're accomplishing nothing? You look and you, you get to the end of your day and it's like, what did I do today? You know, you have a day off. It's like, okay, I, I accomplished nothing today. Now, the other day, it was really cool, you know, because I'm reading this book. So as, as I was sitting around here last night, you know, talking about being bored church people, um, if you would have came in here, 
we were sitting here laughing. We were having a good time. We were eating food. We were just having fun together. It starts with that when we understand that it's not about us as individuals. But see, I can't get to that point of understanding that life's not about me unless I pray. And so the reason I want to start this year off, and I want to start this, this Sunday morning off with, with really looking at prayer, is, is we have to understand that it's not, God can't answer a prayer that's never been prayed. Y'all know that? It's not unanswered prayers that are the problem. It's unoffered prayers that are the problem. And then when we do pray, we look at our circumstances and say, well, this is never going to change. I've said I was going to do this before and it never worked. You know, I've prayed for them for 20 years. Well, thank God I had an uncle and a mother who prayed for me for 33 years. Because if they had quit at 20 years, I wouldn't be here today. It's always too soon to stop praying. But here's the thing, is do we pray with the expectation that God's going to show up and do a miracle, or do we pray with an expectation of what they've always done? So when we're praying for family members, when we're praying for our marriages, when we're praying for our jobs, are we praying with the mindset of what we see or what God says? See, God says you're victorious. God says you're a conqueror. God designed marriage. God designed you to be successful. God designed you for a purpose. Do you pray with that in mind? Or do you pray with the limitations that you've placed on yourself saying, I'm not good enough? I've always, pet peeve of mine, I'm just going to give you, I got a bunch of them. I've always struggled with this. Well, then continue to struggle because you've already given it the power. I know it's a little harsh. But that's something I had to come to the realization of. Because guess what? I, quit, I, I, I was rescued and saved from drinking 22 years ago. I am not a recovering alcoholic. Because God set me free, which means I don't have to own it anymore. See, some of y'all got to stop owning your past mistakes. God said they're wiped clean. They're, they're wiped as white as snow. They've been thrown as far as the east is from the west, buried in the deepest of seas to never be remembered again. So we got to stop remembering them and letting other people label us. See, again, it's, it's not about me. I didn't do it. Yes, I quit going to the liquor store and I quit going to the bar and I just flat quit buying it. That's how I quit. But it was because God gave me the strength to do it, and I started surrounding myself with people who could help me on that journey. Here's a tip for some of you. If y'all want to change where you're going, stop hanging out with the people you've been hanging out with. Because they're going to drag you right back into it. The Bible tells us bad character corrupts good. Remember, even, even Jesus didn't hang out with thousands of people all the time. He hung out with 12 people. And then he really only hung out with three. See, he's given us the example of understanding that we have to hang out with people who are going to challenge us to become better. Why do I I call people like um, Pastor Jim over in Foley or Pastor Doug at the Waters or Pastor Denny? Because these guys are where I want to be. And so they challenge me to become better. I've been getting books sent to me. I've gotten three of them sent to me in the last three months. Two of them I have to read in the next month. I finished one. 
I got the next one. I got I to read because this is what they're doing as leaders. See, leaders are readers. You cannot say I have a relationship with God with, without ever opening your Bible because how do you hear from God if you're not reading his word? Besides listening to me, I'm fallible. I'm going to make mistakes. Yes, I try to do the best I can. Why? Because the Bible tells me because I'm a teacher, I'm going to be judged harsher than everyone else. But see, you have to hear from God. And you will hear from God when you get into his word. So why do, I, why do we challenge you to do devotionals with us? Why do we challenge you to read through your Bible? Because I want you to receive the blessing. As a, as a parent, that's what God wants for me. He wants me to receive his blessing. As your pastor, that's what I want you guys to get. I want you guys to get his blessing. And you get that by spending time with him reading his word. And some of the most powerful prayers you're ever going to pray are his word. I mean, you think about it. I'm praying for somebody. I'm praying for somebody who's sick. And I say, here as it is in heaven, because that's what Jesus said. What happens in heaven? There's no sickness. There's no sadness. There's no addiction. There's no disease. So we're calling the perfection of heaven into the situation. And then we have to believe it. That's where the hard part in our flesh comes in, ain't it? I prayed for them before and they've never, they still struggle with it. Pray again. Because here's the thing. If you're praying for family members, guess what? They got free will. God is not going to force them to do anything. Now, I would love to just slap people upside the head and have them help them get it. But I know that doesn't work. And I'd end up in jail. Um, but... See, when Robert Louis Stevenson was a boy, he once remarked to his mother, Mama, you can't be good without praying. And she's like, how do you know, Robert? Because I've tried. <laughs> See, without praying, we can't, we can't figure out what God wants. Again, how many of you guys have gotten really good at your intentional and, and the reading your Bible every day or almost every day? How many of you guys know when you don't read it? I mean, I can tell you in a second if I haven't read my Bible, or I used to be able to. Nowadays, I just, I can't do it. I've, I've set the habit so much that it's just what I do. But initially, I mean, if I went a day or two days and skipped my devotional, I was cranky. I was irritable. I would drop, you ever have one of those days where you just drop something and everything you grab drops and you want to just scream at the top of your lungs? I've had those days, and guess what I did? I, I dropped one, one time, and I started laughing. I'm like, God, I ain't spent no time with you today. I left it on the floor, and I went and sat down and started to pray. Because I knew it was my flesh trying to take over. Y'all know you're in a spiritual, I hope y'all know you're in a spiritual battle. It's not against other people. It's not against the Democrats and Republicans. It's not against COVID and mask wearing and not. See, that is not our enemy. Stop making the flesh our enemy. Our enemy is spiritual, and he wants people to end up in hell. We want people to end up in heaven, or we should. So are we willing to put aside what we think is right for what God knows is right and trust what he's saying and say, God, help me be better today? See, Helen Roosevelt, she was a missionary in Zaire. Um, at one point, was she, she, there was a lady who was pregnant. She went and died giving birth. The baby was born premature. They made up a 
makeshift incubator because they don't have those there. And, but they needed a hot water bottle. They did not have a hot water bottle because the one they had was broken. And so what did she do? She prayed. She said, one little girl responded, it says, and says, Dear God, please send a water bottle today. Tomorrow will be too late because the baby will be dead. And dear Lord, send a doll for the sister so she won't be f- feel so lonely. It says, that afternoon, a package arrived from England. The ch- children watched eagerly as they opened it. Much to their surprise, under some clothes was a hot water bottle. Immediately, the girl who had prayed so earnestly started to dig deeper, exclaiming, if God sent that, I'm sure he sent a doll. She was right. See, the Heavenly Father, God knows in advance what you need before you ask for it because it took five months for that package to get there. God knew what they needed. See, God knows what you need. He's just waiting for you to ask. See, He wants to give gifts to His children is what His Word says. He wants to bless His children. So when we start looking at this and understanding that all prayer really is is a conversation with God. Well, I just don't pray well, so I don't like praying in front of people. Then pray to yourself. I'm not going to force somebody to pray out loud. Well, maybe. That's that's a lie. I've done that before. Um, (laughs) Because, again, I truly believe it's just the flesh trying to stop us. And some of the greatest prayers I've heard have been people who don't want to pray out loud. And it is as simple as that, that thief on the cross that said, remember me. When it's a heartfelt prayer from God, or to God, it can be one, two words, and it means more than when we're standing up here and can pray for 20 minutes. I knew a guy at a church I used to go to, dude was just a prayer. I'm not going to say his name because you guys who know him would know who I'm, y'all, just the explanation, you know who I'm talking about. This dude, when he prayed, it's just like the whole room lit on fire. And it's like, I don't want to stand next to that guy and pray after him. I'm going to sound like an idiot. I'm going to stand three guys over. Because, you know, back then you all had to hold hands, you know, because that's comfortable for us guys. And did I get the top or the bottom grip? Uh, I'm going to do that to you guys after class. I'm going to make you guys reach across the aisles and grab hands and just watch all you guys. You guys are all going to try to get the top grip because that is the guy side. Uh, Okay. (laughs) See, God wants us to connect with him, and he wants to connect and open heaven to earth. That's what he wants to do. He wants us to see miracles. He wants us to see lives changed. He wants us to see us changed. And see, I believe prayer, I believe fasting, I believe revival all starts with us. I read a statement this week um, in, in some of the notes that I've written out lately that if we understand that Jesus came to seek and save the lost, why do we spend so much time praying for the saved? Let that sink in. You know, Christy, I'm going to take this, Christy, because she posted a thing on Facebook to make herself sound smart, but she stole it from me. (laughs) Actually, she did, and it's it's cool. But she posted on Facebook, and and it's really, again, it's it's a profound statement that if Jesus came to seek and save the lost, why are we trying to keep the saved happy? See, this what we're doing this morning? Isn't about all you, because you all come every week. 
It's about the people who aren't here. We're here to get edified, equipped, encouraged, filled up to go out and bring in people who aren't here. It's not about making us comfortable, which with this heat, it's not that easy to be comfortable in here. Or is it just me that's really hot up here? That vent right there is blowing right at me. Um, but again, we can, I can tell you just in the last two weeks, I'm praying, okay, God, it's going to cost us this much money to do what we need to do to the furnace. We had a request come in from the school to do an outreach to get them some toys and stuff for the school, for the kids to play and stuff like that. We, we don't have the finances right now to do this. God, I need you to step in and do a miracle. I need you to step in and bring in the finances. Well, again, last week, the finances came in. Not from anybody here. We didn't touch our budgeted stuff. This is a gift that came into the church that we weren't expecting. That God knew we needed almost to the dollar. That's what God does when we pray. He shows up and shows off. We just got to be willing to ask. And when we understand that as we pray, we're, 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 we're building those bridges from people to Jesus. We're building those bridges from what people are struggling with to see their miracle. See, your prayers have power. And we have to pray like our prayers have power. And God will use anybody as long as you're willing to surrender and pray. If you look at the Bible, you know, God used Joseph to save his family from starvation. Did it look like a wonderful time for him? I mean, first off, there, there's a teaching moment. Be careful who you share your dreams with. Okay, he shared his dreams with his brother that all these wheat bowed down to him and stuff. Not good when you're the youngest because you already picked on. And now you're telling them they're all going to bow to you. So they beat him. They throw him in a ditch. Then some people come in. They sell him in. They sell him into slavery. And then he gets sold to Potiphar. His wife tries to seduce him. And he runs like the wind. And then he gets thrown in jail for that. And then he gets left in jail by some other people. So his life isn't good. But he was a praying God. He was, his character was being built. And he was trusting God. And when his brothers finally did come, he played a joke on him Because that's what guys do. Okay. Uh, he goes, I'm going to mess with them. And he did, and they all freaked out. And he's like, no, you can't have the youngest brother back until you go get your daddy and bring him here. And they're like, no, don't do that. But first he actually threw stuff in, in their backsack like they stole it. And, and so he's doing all this stuff. But at the end of the day, when, when God showed up and he had just listened to God with his brothers bowing before him, he looks at them and says, no, no, no. What you meant for harm, God meant for good. You want to see your prayers answered, start praying for someone else. If you're willing to look, there's always somebody that's got it worse than you do. We have to take our eyes off ourselves and be willing to get down before God and say, I'm going to pray for this person. I'm going to pray for this situation. God, you know what I'm struggling with. I pray I got brothers and sisters who are praying for me. Because I'm going to be praying for them. See, Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them. Not take me out of this bad situation. And when he did pray that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, but not my will, your will be done. You go on and you look at Moses. Moses begged God not to destroy Israel when they worshipped the golden calf. 
Okay? I mean, it, it's a great story. It's in Genesis. Um, Esther stood in the gap with prayer and fasting for her people when, her, when, when Mordecai um, told her that Haman was going to kill them all when he wanted to destroy everyone. And he looked at Esther and said, no, you were born for such a time as this. The whole nation will start praying and fasting with you for three days. Now, understanding her situation is she, in all rights, couldn't walk into the king's court unannounced and uninvited. Because if she did, the king had the right to have her executed. But because God was with her, she broke every fleshly rule, walked into the king, and a nation was saved. See, y'all worried whether or not your neighbor's going to like you. Most cases, they're not going to kill you. Just saying. <laughs> I said most cases. I didn't say all cases. See, when God created the earth, he said it was good. In the Garden of Eden, there was no divide. There was no wars. There wasn't anything that separated us from God. But because of our choices, because of Adam and Eve disobeying, sin created a gap between God and us. And that has been the biggest hindrance, honestly, I believe, to prayer. Here's a tip for some of y'all today. God already has, knows what you've done. You can't hide it from him. So just go to him. See, we won't pray because it's like, why? Well, I actually just talked with somebody this week about this. Why well, It seems like I always struggle with the same things and I pray the same prayer and ask for forgiveness for the same thing every night. I've done it like 900 times. Now that was an exaggeration. But here's the thing I told them. The fact that you're still asking for forgiveness means you still have the heart that's seeking after God. It's when you quit asking for forgiveness, you better worry. See, God really doesn't care. He does, but he's going to forgive you. He wants you to change. His desire is for you to change, but he's never going to turn his back on you as long as you're willing to come to him. What good father does. See, when there's no, and God himself stood in the gap for us when he sent his son to die on the cross. When he sent Jesus, as we just celebrated Christmas, and we think about the manger, and we think about Jesus, and we think about for God so loved the world, he did all of that because he is love and wants to be in a relationship with you. Now see, some of us don't think he does because we don't think anybody likes us or we don't measure up or we're not good enough. And so I don't want to get too close to anybody because what if they find out what I've done? But see, we have a God who already knows what we've done and already loves us. Trust me, I wouldn't be here today if I thought that way. I joke with you guys and I am honest. You've gotten a fraction of my testimony of the things I've been through and things I've done. And I still don't feel worthy. But I have a God who is. And that's what I have to remind myself of by prayer, by reading his word. Because again, he gets to define who I am. And I learn my, the definition of who I am by spending time in praying. It can change the atmosphere. 
yesterday is a great example. It was a crazy week, Christmas to New Year's, a lot I got going on. I took a day off, went out in the woods, cut up a bunch of wood. That was awesome. Um, again, guy gives me energy <laughs> to, to cut up wood with a chainsaw. I didn't cut anything off, so I'm good there. Um, but I came in here yesterday kind of dragging. I'm like, okay, I got to get this ready. I got to get this ready. I got to get ready for two services on Sunday, one Sunday morning, one Sunday night. So I got to write two messages and then I got to get ready for this and I got to get this cleaned up and I got to do this. And finally, I just sat down after making a bunch of slides on my computer and working on things and just plugged in my phone and, and started playing some worship music. If you would have walked in here 20 minutes later, you would have thought I was nuts. I was, I was walking around here, tears flowing down my face because I connected with God and he reminded me through one of his songs, there ain't nothing he can't do. This ain't about me. And when I understand, when I'm starting to pray for somebody, guess what? There ain't nothing that my God can't do. I get there by prayer and worship. I get there by spending time with him. I don't get there by showing up for an hour on Sunday. I hope you get that, but it has to become a lifestyle that you live. Sean and I have talked about it before, and my personal opinion is I would love for you guys coming to church worshiping. Because then we wouldn't have to lead you into worship. But see, we all have baggage of life. We all have things going on. Yesterday while I was sitting around until I did that, I wasn't, I, I wasn't in the mindset to worship. Had I been praying, did I do my devotionals? Yes, I did all that stuff. But something was missing. And it was worship. It was spending time just telling God how good He is. And that's not me. I'm not that good, but he is. And I get that when I understand. The key verse for everything I'm looking at today comes from Ezekiel. And it says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall, who would stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. So our challenge as a church, our challenge for this upcoming year, one of them, is if we understand 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. There's an old song by Jared Anderson called Hear Us From Heaven. See, when we humble ourselves and understand it's, there ain't nothing God can't do, I just got to get out the way. There ain't nothing he can't do. You want to see restoration in our country? If his church would humble themselves and pray, he says, I will hear from heaven and I will heal your land. See, when we're focused on everything that's wrong, we can't be focused on what's right, and that's Jesus. See, am I going to be willing to stand in the gap? Am I going to be willing to stand in the gap and approach the throne of grace with confidence? Not ashamed of what I've done, not ashamed of who I've been. Because God has healed that when I surrendered and called his name and humbled myself and sought his face. He said, I will heal you. Now, do I believe what my ego is telling me that I'm not good? Or do I believe what God says that I am? See, we have to come to the realization of what does God say? 
Because God is not looking for a person who's perfect. Because none of us are. There was one perfect person to ever walk the earth, and that was Jesus. He stood in the gap between us and the Father and reconciled and built a bridge on that gap with the cross. So are we willing to stand in the gap and fight for others who aren't right now willing to fight for themselves and say, no, not today. You don't get them. See, some of y'all have done that and understand that it's a spiritual battle and you have that right to say it. No, you don't get to touch my family. You need to stay, they're, they're protected by Jesus. Now they may make bad choices because they still have free will. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to fight for them. I'm not going to fight with them. See, there's, there's a key for you married people. Don't fight, don't fight with your spouse. Fight, fight, fight with, together. Same teams with your spouse. Okay? But too often we're even in our, in our marriages, we're, we're focused at each other and pointing a finger and yelling at them and telling them everything they're doing wrong. And we're not, we ain't done nothing wrong. It's all them. Some of y'all do that with friends. Some of y'all do that with your job. If they would just learn to do their job better, then I would be happier. No, you wouldn't. Because you'd find something else to complain about. I love what Mark Batterson said. Get a gratitude journal. If you can do a gratitude journal for 30 days, your whole attitude changes. Because as that old wise sage Johnny Lang said in one of his songs, you will find what you're looking for. If you're looking for love, you'll find it. If you're looking for hate, you'll find it. Stay off of social media you'll find nothing good. Except if you go to our church, then you get to see our messages. <laughs> Plug for the church, okay. Um, we only post like three things a week on there. Um, but again, it, it's understanding that what am I going to look for? Am I going to look for the best in somebody or am I going to look at what their past was? See, if I, if I was to look at my past and if I was to know who I was in the past and you were to know who I was in the past and you looked at me but you put on a fake face Sunday morning when you came in and said, oh, Sean, you're such a wonderful guy. But that, subconsciously, you just can't stand him. Guess what? Subconsciously, that comes out whether you know it or not. You all know when people are being fake. So you pray and say, okay, God, give me a heart for Sean. Give me a heart to pray for him. Give me a heart to pray for that person I don't like or I don't agree with. Give me a heart for my job to pray for it so that we can help people. Because all of your jobs, no matter what they are, help somebody some way. These chairs, the metal was made by somebody. Do you think they thought it was, this, this metal was going to end up in a church? No. The cushions, you think who made the cushions was going to end up here? When they finally put the whole chair together, they're church chairs, so they probably had an idea they were going to a church. But again, they don't know what it's going to do. So all you guys, you, th you think your jobs don't help. All of your jobs help people. And, and when we understand that if, if I just humble myself and realize I don't have a better plan, God's got the best plan, I'm just going to follow what he says. I will start praying for people I don't get along with. I'll start standing in the gap for my family. I'll start standing in the gap for marriages. I'll start standing in the gap for my community. I'll start standing in the gap for you. Because that's what God's called us to do. It's to stand in the gap and say, not today, Satan. You got no rule here. This belongs to Jesus. So we just got through singing. I belong to Jesus. So when you're struggling with something, quit looking at the struggle 
and start focusing on the strength, and that's Jesus. When we humble ourselves and pray, 1 Timothy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up here. 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 3 and 4 says, First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. So that person you can't stand, God wants him in the family. How dare we stand in the way of who God wants? Because he accepted me. Thankfully, he accepted you. So that person you don't think he'll accept, he accepts. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus died on the cross. Ezra 8, 21 says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before God to seek him. We sought a safe journey for us we sought to seek his face for our little ones, and we sought to seek our, his face for all of our possessions. And when we read Matthew 6, 1 through 18, we see four things that are foundational are disciplines for standing in the gap. And I'm going to end with this. In, in Matthew 6, 1 through 4, it's you give to the poor. You take care of those in need. And I don't care if that's financially, emotionally, spiritually, all those, I count all those as poor. See, we think of poor as financially. I can give somebody money. I'd rather see them in heaven. I can help meet a need that they're going to hear about Jesus because that's the greatest need. See, too often we want to give people what they want, not what they need. And so we need to be praying about it. Jesus says in, in verse 6, 5 through 14, when you pray. And then he teaches and talks about praying. In verse 14 and 15, he talks about forgiveness and how we have to forgive others. And here's the biggest tip for most of you all this morning. Learn to forgive yourself. If you hang on to things you've done and you cannot forgive yourself, you cannot live in the freedom that God has for you. And it's hard to forgive others if you can't forgive yourself. We can say it, but we can't really live it. And so it starts with forgiving ourselves. And then in verses 16 through 18, he says, when you fast, which is why we're fasting. And I'll go into that more in depth tonight. See, prayer and fasting, I truly believe, and this is what we're going to cover more of tonight, it leads to spiritual breakthroughs. Prayer and fasting will lead to broken-hearted hearts healed, relationships restored, addictions broken. Just as Jesus said with that one boy, when they said, why couldn't we heal him? He said, this type of thing can only be broken with prayer and fasting. When we deny ourselves and seek more of God and what he has for us, we'll start seeing the miracles that he wants us to have. See, it's, it's not about us receiving something when we pray and fast. Because God never gives us anything to make our lives comfortable. He gives us things to love and serve others. And so as we're going through this next 
21 days, we're going to come to understand that God will guide us into good things, but God will also lead you through tough times. We need both of them. So I want, you to, I want to take a moment here, and I wrote down the prophetic word Randy Ruiz gave for our church when he was here. And I've been praying this for all of us. He says, if you bring me your wounds, I'll turn it to gold. And see, when I pray about that, it's about healings, physical, spiritual, and emotional. If we're willing to bring him our wounds, he'll turn them to gold. That was spoke over our church three weeks ago. And I ex expect it to happen this upcoming year, that we're going to see God move.